Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help you expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Thank you for joining me again on Still Growing in Grace. Last week, we began discussing the topic of our identity in Christ. Who are we? What is our nature? And this question of who we are, what is our identity, what is our nature, is one of the big lifelong questions of our world, of our universe. People are trying to find themselves, find out who they are, find meaning in life. Some find it, try to find it in accomplishments. Some try to find it in the sexuality. Some try to find it in um, serving and doing good things. Some find it by uh, accumulating the best of the best in wealth or uh, cars and jewelry and all that stuff. We're not sure. Everybody has their little way. I began last week talking about, let's, let's get God's opinion in on this. Let's see what the manufacturer says. Let's find out what the intended plan of our creator for who we are and how we are to function. And if we're going to function well in any kind of way, we need to have our minds changed. We need to realize that our concept of God needs to be corrected, and then the behavioral changes will come. We don't try to make behavioral changes just to change the mind, although there are times where that will happen. But for this instance, when we are talking about our core identity of who we are, we need to begin with our nature. Who are we? And we began working through a list uh, the, uh, last week of who we are in Christ and how God sees us. Uh, we uh, uh, a couple of the items where we are called saints, um, that was a big one. Some people think we we can't be saints because we don't always act like it, but Scripture tells us we're saints, that we're righteous. That was another great term. We're a divine work of art, not a piece of work. That we are also holy. Uh, we are one with Christ, which is my favorite. Uh, I was very excited about that one. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then we talked about that we are an expression of his divine life in us. And that we are a child of God. Not everybody knows they're children of God. Uh, these are some key foundations. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at two more uh, before we get into how to express this life we say we have in us. How does God want to live? live out of our lives. So let's go back into how God sees us. I believe if we understand Ephesians 2.5, we're going to learn that I am alive with Christ. Because we talked about Christ being in us, but we're also in Him. It says in Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Wow, that is one packed verse. Even when we were dead and doomed in our sins, he united us. He made us alive with the very life into the life of Christ. Oh my, 
people are trying to figure out who they are, how about recognize where you are? You are in Christ. You're connected to him. You're in union. This will change so many behaviors that are striving to become somebody that they already are. Do you remember a couple weeks back, we talked about the Garden of Eden and the lie that Eve had that she believed? Uh, The serpent was offering some insights that if you eat of this one tree, uh, you're going to be like God. The problem is, she was already like God. She didn't know her identity. She had no clue. Oh my, this world needs so much help and so much good news. Uh, next one. This, this can be really big for some of us. Uh, it has been for me. This verse has rescued me out of self-condemnation. We are not condemned. God does not condemn you. Romans 8, 1 to 3. Let me give you this awesome, awesome verse. So now the case is closed. That, that's a great way to start Romans 8. The case is closed. Can you hear the, the hammer come down from the judge? Clunk. You know, the case is closed. This is done. The, the answer is final. Here it is. And he continues saying, There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. We're going to compare those two things at a later show. But it says here, there remains no condemnation, no accusing voice. Some translations say there's therefore now no condemnations for the condemnation for those who are in Christ. Well, I'm in Christ are you in Christ? It depends on what your mindset is. If you don't believe you are, you have some things to learn. If you know you're in Christ, then start listening to the voice of freedom, whispering and sometimes screaming inside you to say, you're okay. I made you good. Now be good. Some people just need to hear some good news. They need to realize that God's for them, not against them. God is not ticked off. If he's ticked off at anything, I'm going to jump in with this one. If God is going to be ticked off at anything or at uh, to be angry and have his wrath poured on something, here's the only place I believe his wrath is poured onto, and that is those things that hurt his children. Uh, listen, I, uh, my kids played in the playground with many kids. Once in a while, there was a bully kid in the playground who threw stuff at my kid or pushed him down the slide or pushed him over and hurt him or whatever. Man, my wrath got in there. I was angry at the hurt being done to my kid. God's like that. He's not angry at you, his creation. He's angry at those things that harm his creation. It's a huge paradigm shift. If you think God's constantly mad at you, you're going to tiptoe all over the place and walk in fear, fear of God, as in afraid of him. Oh, my even the Old Testament tells us that it is, it is his kindness and gentleness that leads us to what? Repentance. A change of mind. Oh my, I hope that will help for those who might be stuck in cycles of self-condemnation and, and feeling bad about themselves. 
So what then does growing in grace look like? How does Christ want to live out through us? Well, let's begin with that image we had of our spirit soul being the core of who we are. Our spirit is our true identity. Our soul is like our personality. It's being renewed, gradually healing. Um, and your soul depends on your spirit. And in your spirit, spirit comes through the soul in action and, and speaks truth. And then if we believe it, it comes out of our body in actions, through our senses, through our behaviors, through our responses. Remember, we are to be responsible, but maybe we need to slow that word down just a bit. Response. Your response. We are supposed to be responsible. We're supposed to have a responsibility. And here's how Paul Anderson Walsh said it. He says, we are now response-able. You are able to respond now, especially when the truth is made clear to you. And when you hear that truth, you will know it because the truth who lives in you will recognize the truth coming towards you because he's the source. And you'll recognize and go, oh, that is true. That my spirit leaps with joy. That just happened to me the other day. I had a conversation with somebody. I was wrestling through some personal difficulties and they spoke a truth to me that I knew right away. This is God talking to me. This is him sharing something deep and profound through this person. Right now, I recognize it as a solemn moment, a divine moment of the spirit of that person in union with Christ speaking to my spirit in union with Christ. And there was healing and some thinking that went on. I had some aha. I had revelation going on. Well, let's take a look at this. In Romans 15, 8, it says this, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has done, <laughs> what Christ has accomplished through me. Let me read that again, because sometimes we never caught that one. Paul writes, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That's very different than what I see in religion today. A lot of people share what great accomplishments they've done, how big of a church they've built, how great of a ministry, how wonderful of a worship leader they are, how well their album has sold, or how many books they've sold. They These are the measures of their rightness or their accomplishments. And honestly, it's a false placement of value. They're trying to get their value from those things when really being a minister is not your identity. Being a worship leader is not your identity. Being a Parent is not your identity. It may be something you do, but it isn't who you are. And we've set that up in the church today. We've made people to be something they're not, and now they have to try and live up to that standard. Well, how about let's brag on what Christ has done? Let's just share the goodness of what Christ has done through us. Galatians 2.20 is also a reminder of how God sees you and what happened to you already. Listen carefully to this. I'm going to do a quick commentary on it in just a second. It says, and many of you know this, many who are churched know this verse. If you've not heard this, if you're not used to Bible verses and stuff, that's fine. This is a powerful, powerful verse of something that has already happened. Listen carefully. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which 
I now live in the flesh, my body. I, <coughs> excuse me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified. You have been crucified. This is a huge, huge revelation. It's very close to the Colossians 1.27 one that impacted me so many years ago that Christ lives in me. This one also is an affirmation of what happened to me at the cross. It wasn't just Christ who died at the cross. I died and you died. We died with Christ at the cross. I'm going to throw a quick spin in here because the King James Bible gets something really right in this verse. It does not say, I live by faith in the Son of God. It says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Did you hear that? I live by the faith of the Son of God? That actually changes the meaning of this verse, where before I live by faith in, son of, in, in, uh, in the Son of God implies I have to muster up some faith. I am the one who has to generate something that may not be there. When now I take a look at some of the original languages and it says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The Passion Translation communicates it that like that. The Mirror Bible translate, translates it like that. In fact, the uh, Young's literal translation says this, I live by Son of God faith. He is the source of our faith. He is the giver of our faith. We don't even muster up our own faith. Faith itself has been given to us as a gift. Do you know that? Do you believe that? I do, and I am waking up to a better faith than ever. We'll be back in a few minutes. Family run, family owned. So their focus is on you. Conestoga Lodge Retirement Residence is a full-service retirement home in Kitchener. And you'll be impressed to know that they are not a big corporate chain. They're quality-driven with a focus on each and every individual. Conestoga Lodge offers permanent and short-term stays. To book a free, no-obligation tour, you can call 519-576-2140 or visit online at conestogalodge.com. Looking for a real estate agent that will put your needs before his? Terry Van Lent is just that agent. Caring and honest are just two of Terry's best qualities, and they shine through in his real estate career. As a longtime resident of Waterloo Region, Terry is well acquainted with the area and its multitude of attractive amenities. For an agent that cares, call Terry Van Lent at Coldwell Banker Peter Benninger Realty, 519-742-5800, extension 2060. So if Galatians 2.20 is revealing something about our faith versus God's faith, we need to take heed and listen. We're going to cover that topic again at a future show because it's a big one. We can do a whole show on just that topic of faith and where it comes from and how it's utilized in us. So working out this salvation, working out this life of Christ in us, how does that work? In Philippians 2 verses 12 to 13 there's an answer there of some wisdom for us. It goes like this. I'm going to read it from three different translations because it's so important. I want you to hear it through three different lenses. First off, from the NASB New American Standard Bible, it says, So then, my beloved, what a beautiful way to start, my beloved. <laughs> so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence. Work 
out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Wow, it's God in us. Did you hear the wording of that? It says, work out your salvation. It does not say, work for your salvation. I used to think it was my job to maintain my righteousness by how I prayed, how I confessed. Um, it was up to me, me, me. It's just like faith. It was up to me, my faith. Uh-oh, my faith is weak. And all these lies that get poured into our minds when really there's something bigger going on, someone bigger going on in us. So this is about working out your salvation, taking of what is true in you and allow it out through your thoughts, actions, and words. The New Living Translation does a really good job of this when it says, Dearest friends, you're always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, you must be even more careful, listen to this, here it is, to put into action God's saving work. The other translation said, work out your salvation. This one says, put into action God's saving work in your lives. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. Are you catching the source here? Did you hear what I just heard? It is God working in us, giving us the desire to obey and the power to do what pleases Him. He just finished telling them, wow, you guys are amazing at your obedience. But he just points out the source of the obedience. The source is Christ himself. The Passion Translation does a really beautiful job of this. I'm going to read three verses there. Verses, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. Listen carefully. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right here with you. Now, you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, A-W-E, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you, the passion to do what pleases him. Live a cheerful life, not without complaining or division among yourselves. These instructions are powerful. The words that Paul gives speaks to the performance-based acceptance model. It's calling it out and saying your performance is not good enough. It will never achieve God's promises. It'll never achieve God's will in your life. But he is giving us the source, first of all, the ideas, the passions, the power to do it. And he's going to be the outcome for it as well. This is how good God's grace is to us. It says, keep following. Let, let this new life be fully manifested as you live in holy awe. The other translations use the word fear. And, and this next one will say trembling in just a minute. But to look at the word fear, we need to understand what does that word that they're using mean? Does it mean, oh, I'm going to be afraid of God? That's not what it means. 
Instead, I like what the Passion Translation did here. It lives in, it says living in a holy awe, like, wow, totally mesmerized, totally blown away by the goodness, greatness, magnitude of God. That's what this is talking about. And this trembling part is not, again, being afraid. It's the magnitude of God's goodness, his love, the fire of his love. It's earth-shattering, trembling. That is the goodness of God. Do you know what's in you? Do you know who is in you? There's a man named Mr. Yates who lived during the Great Depression he had a big piece of property, lots of farmland, and he was heading into mortgage default. And this this was a bad situation. Many, many people were. Um, oil diggers had been coming to him and saying, hey, can we dig on your property? He said, no, go away, go away. Well, they finally came within the final month of closure that was going to happen. They were, get, they were given their notice. And uh, when they came and knocked on the door, said, can we, can we try? And he said, sure. I've got nothing to lose. Go for it. Go try and see if you can find oil on my land right as they started packing up their things. This company found the largest single volume amount of oil in U.S. history on his property. Instantly, he went from becoming a person in receivership, mortgage default. He now became a billionaire. There's something important to be learned in this story. I want you to listen carefully to what I mean. Some people have argued with me about um, semantics on what I'm about to say, but please listen. Listen carefully. When did Mr. Yates become a billionaire? Many will say it happened when they discovered the oil on his property. That is the moment he became a billionaire. I want to challenge you with a better perspective. I don't think that's when he became one. That's when he awoke to the wealth he already had. The land was his. The oil was there. He became a billionaire the day he signed the deed to that property. He just had no idea the value of what was under that property. You have Christ living in you. When you wake up to the fact you are one with the divine Jesus Christ, you are one with God the Father, you are one with the Holy Spirit, when you wake up to that reality, everything changes. Your whole life does. Your thinking, your behaviors, everything changes. Many years ago, I was teaching a conference uh, at this, these big Sunday school conferences, resource conferences, and I had to teach three sessions on prayer. And uh, so I started my first session. There was no wall clock, and they were going to be really strict about time. So I kept asking, does anybody have the time? Anybody got the time? And they kept telling me the time, and I was being very conscious of that. After that first session, a gentleman came up to me, and he handed me a watch. He took it off his hand, and he handed me his watch. He said to me, I believe God told me to give you my watch. I put it on and I thought, wow, that's pretty great. I, this is a nice watch. It feels light. Thanks, buddy. That was great. So I enjoyed the teaching of the teaching the next three, two other sessions, and no problem. I was totally on time. The watch told me the time correctly. So 
all year I'm wearing this watch, enjoying it. I'm doing gardening. I'm tilling my wife's garden, our garden, uh, our garden in the backyard, getting all dirty. And I built a shed and and banging wood. And I kept this watch on the 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 um the band was getting all yucky. Then it stopped working one day. And I thought, uh oh, I better go down to the repair or uh, the battery place where they do cheap battery place battery replacements, and get get this replaced. I like the watch. Turns out the gentleman looked at the watch and he said, I can't do this watch. You need to go to a jeweler. And inside my head, I'm thinking, what? This is such an easy thing to do. Like, In my mind, I thought he was just not smart enough or just didn't want to do it. So I went to the jewelers and I told them what had happened, that the guy down the street couldn't do it. And he told me to come here. And he said, okay, starts to look at it. And then I told him, yeah, this watch was given to me by a man. And his eyes lit up. And it's like, oh my goodness, really? I, I asked him from his expression, I could tell there's something different here about this watch. And I said, is it a good watch? He goes, oh yeah, oh yeah. I said, well, what, 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 is it worth anything? And the man said, this watch would be about $2,500 to $3,000 brand new. It's an older watch, but it's a really good, good quality watch. And then he asked, would you like a new band with it? Want me to clean it up? <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm thinking, yes, please. I never ever wore that watch gardening again. I never wore that watch fixing and repairing and doing sports or anything like that. I never, ever did that. Why would I not do that again? Hmm. I now know the value of that watch and I will take care of it with pride, with joy, with thanksgiving to the man who gave it to me. I did meet him years later and now I know him. He's a great guy. He still does watch repairs. He's a good man. But I know the value of this. And my actions prove the knowledge of my awareness of the wealth and value of this watch. Same thing with you and I. When you wake up to the value or to the knowledge of the value of who you are in Christ, that you are good, you're holy, you're righteous, you're pure, you're, you've been forgiven, you're, you're righteous. When these things permeate your mind, your behaviors will change. Keep growing in grace. Keep waking up to the reality. God loves you, likes you. He's crazy about you. See you next week. Are your kids looking for some outdoor fun this March break? It's not far from your own backyard. At Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, pony rides for ages two years and up, camp for five and up, lessons for seven and up, trails are 11 and up when the ice is not around. Sign the kids up now for March break camp before they get cabin fever. At Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, 519-888-6503 and horsebackadventures.ca. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic in Elmira is more than small engines. Like their name says, Martin's is also a full-service auto clinic focused on automotive repair and service, brakes, tires, local lockout service, and so much more. Whatever you need, Martin's can do it. For that small-town feel with large shop quality, trust a team that really cares. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic, Industrial Drive Elmira and martinselmira.com. 
You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 11.30 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.